Welcome to the Kanoi Church Podcast. We're glad that you're interested in connecting through this teaching time. If you'd like to connect further, feel free to reach out to us through our website, kanoichurch.org. For now, enjoy this teaching from Kanoi Church, where our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. All right, welcome folks. Today, coming to you from Kanoi, throwing things a little different today. Um, I will be interviewing Pastor Nick today. We are going to be doing a bunch of different questions on togetherness. And I'm going to start off by reading a question to him, and I want to get his biblical views on these certain questions. So are you ready to get started, Pastor Nick? I'm ready when you are. All right. Question number one. When I was growing up as a child, we went together as a family. So I remember mom and dad dressing me all up in little cute outfits and everything, looking pretty cool. It was awesome. But, you know, why was that so important as a child, as a parent to take us as kids? To as go to church family, as a family. As a family. Um, there's a couple of reasons that I think that is important. Uh, some of it's kind of my opinion, but some of it I think is, is also very scripturally based. Um, so Proverbs 22.6 is a, is a great verse to remember in this particular question. Uh, it just says to train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And that's one of those verses that I think lays a solid foundation for why it's important as a family for us to go to church. Uh, but I think it's also a hard verse because, you know, as we get older, some of us have kids who do walk away from church or do walk away from the Lord for a time. And that can be really hard because we think, well, did I do a bad job? Did I, did I not train the child up in the right way? And uh, I think one of the things that we have to do is, you know, my father has told me before, you can't take responsibility for everything. And so your child has their own free will. And, uh, and most children, most young adults, most adults even go through a time where, uh, they do kind of depart. They have to figure their own stuff out. And so they might depart from the ways that their parents had mm-hmm. kind of prescribed for them. But that doesn't mean that it has departed from their heart. It doesn't mean that they have suddenly decided that they don't know what's right and what's wrong. Uh, and so I do really believe that this is a true verse. You know, Solomon says this. It's, it's wisdom teaching. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he won't depart from it. Um, you know, the other week in our service, we talked about Isaiah chapter 30. Yes. And it said, whenever, uh, whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And I, I just wholeheartedly, adamantly believe that, that God is always speaking to us, that he's there. You know, he, yeah. he left his Holy Spirit with us to be our helper, to be our guide. I think that that spirit was present all through the Old Testament and certainly through the New Covenant. And so we can depend on God to walk with us in situations. Sometimes his voice is much louder and sometimes it's a bit more quiet. Like when we have the prophet on the mountain who is listening for the voice of the Lord in the earthquake or the fire, but actually he hears it in the whisper. And so we have to train ourselves not just to look for the big moments like the earthquake and the fire, but also for the little things like the whisper. Now, I think that's the scriptural basis I'll give for the question. Um, But I would say, you know, why go to church as a family? Because more is caught than is taught. Mm. You know, you can can tell your kids that you value certain things, that you think that they should follow God, that you love Jesus. But if your life doesn't portray what your words are saying, 
they're going to pick up on that fact. They're going to pick up and, and say, oh, mom and dad go to church on Sunday, but we, we do these other things all throughout the week. Yes. And so one of the reasons it's important to go together uh, it's, is because the kids are seeing everything you're saying and everything you're doing. They're looking at it. They're, they're remembering it. Um, going to church every week, you know, or, or just even most weeks, I guess I should say, too, is it builds regular rhythms in your kid's life. And, and so regular rhythms are very helpful. It gives uh, kids a sense of community. It's something that they can depend on. It helps to build trust for them. So, you know, some children don't have a community. They right. have their school, they have, and they might have some friends there. But you're not there, so you don't know are those good influences. Right. They have your family, and um, every family is a little bit different. And so church can provide a, a sense of community. It can provide a, a place where they can meet other adults that they can also trust as well. Uh, and so I think that's, you know, really important. Yeah. Um, I think, and I'll just, I'll stay with this one story because I think it's a relevant story. You know, in today's world right now, we have a lot of conversation around race. Yes. And, um, and racism is one of those things where, you know, I'm sure you might have seen the viral video of the little um, white boy and the little black boy running down the sidewalk <laughs> yes. and hugging, right? <laughs> yep. And it's just this beautiful, heartwarming moment. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that that helps us see is like, look, this is something that's taught. You know, racism, yes. you know, the belief that there is a inferior or a superior race is mm-hmm. something that we teach. Um, there is a there's a back in the 1950s, there was a young boy, 12 year old black boy named Emmett Till. And he was he was lynched because he whistled at a white woman. And, the you know, his killers actually got off. They were not prosecuted for that. Um, but when his mother went to the courtroom and was prepared to be there for the, the trial, as she walked into the courtroom, there was all of these little white children who had cap guns, and they pointed their cap guns at her and, and were pulling the trigger. So bang, 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 as she walked in. And the, the, what, the way that the news reports it is that the, the families, the parents of these children, were laughing, thinking that it was funny. And so more is caught than taught. I'm just, I kind of say that as much as possible. You're right. We yep. teach these things. So there's certain bad habits, there's certain beliefs, there's certain biases that we grow up with. Those things are taught to us and we can do a better job than to keep teaching those things. And so church becomes an important place because this is a place where we are, uh, we're teaching, we're actively, uh, very purposefully teaching our children what, um, what we believe. So I think that's a, a big part of why we should go together as a family as much as that's we can. Good. Yeah, yeah, that, that's great. I mean, I, I think it's really good. I like that you touched on um, the teenagers, kids get into teenage years, they stop coming with their parents. You bring them all the way up through to that time and they got to figure some things out on their own sometimes. I, I always told my kids that as long as they're going to church, they don't have to go to my church, but as long as they're going to a church somewhere, I... I'm happy, mm. and and my oldest son, he's he's doing that. And he actually goes to a different church. He likes the big churches. I like the small churches. So, but it's something he enjoys. So, yeah. So that brings me to my second question. Now, second one is why do family of friends only seem to get together when there's maybe a, a kid's birthday party or something like that, or an anniversary, or or even a funeral? You you don't see family for a long period of time, and then all of a sudden something like that happens and draws everybody back together. Mm. Um, I think, and this is like, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm not a sociologist or a psychologist, right? So, um, I'm not going to 
stand here or sit here and pretend like my opinion is some sort of expert opinion. <laughs> but I think that we all get really caught up in our um, our routines, mm-hmm. our rhythms, our schedules, and things like birthday parties and tragedies, um, celebrations and tragedies, they interrupt the regularly scheduled program. Yes. And so if you can remember being a kid when you're watching Saturday morning cartoons and they decided <laughs> to test the emergency broadcasting yes. system. Oh, flush me. Oh, my word. It's terrible, right? Yeah. But it interrupts your daily schedule, right? right. Your regularly scheduled program yep. is being interrupted by these things. Um, and actually, I think as I was thinking about this question, I think I would venture to guess that tragedy actually interrupts it more than celebration does. Mm. So celebration definitely brings us together. And as God's people, as God's community, as a family, I think there are, are things that we should celebrate together. I think it's very important yeah. for us to do that. Um, but tragedy brings us together in a way that even celebration does not. Um, I think tragedy also changes the social atmosphere. And so you might see, um, like, if there is a young person who is who dies while they're still in high school, mm-hmm. suddenly you might see in high school there's there's definitely like a social tier that you climb. So mm-hmm. um, there, you know you have your cool kids and you have kids that are maybe into really artsy kind of stuff, yeah. or maybe kids that are into band. And I'm naming all these stereotypes that were present <laughs> when I was in school, but maybe they're not anymore. But suddenly the things that separate all those stereotypes when yeah. a young person is hurt or dies, those things go away and people kind of come together yeah. um, despite their differences. Mm-hmm. And so I think that what happens in tragedy is we all have shells. We all have these mm-hmm. exteriors. And uh, no matter who you are, you have you have a shell um, and you need a shell because like if you um if you're conservative you need a shell because there are people who are liberal that are going to say things to you so you protect yourself with it if you're liberal you need a shell because there are people who are conservative who are going to say things to you and so you need to protect yourself from it um if you have if you are a minority then you need a shell to protect yourself from things that are being said to you. If you're not a minority, same thing, you need a shell. If your sexuality is anything other than what is socially acceptable out there, you need a shell. If you have religious beliefs, you need a shell. If you're an atheist, you need a shell. So we all have shells, we all need shells because it's important for us to be able to protect ourselves. Um, None of us hold singular beliefs either. So we all have multiple shells, multiple layers and levels of shells. And tragedy seems to kind of bust through all those things. And suddenly, like just like in high school, the things that separated us, the things that we saw as differences, they matter less and less. And we see each other as human once again. And instead of seeing each other as a problem or seeing each other as different, we relate to one another suddenly. Um, we are able to be relatable suddenly. And I think, I think that's the thing that, that tragedy and celebration, too, it does for us. It's a unifying force. Right. And so I think the question that as Christians that we must keep considering is, is it possible for us to find unity mm. without tragedy? Right. You know, yeah. Even you think about our small town, you think about our, our county or our state or our country, mm-hmm. is it possible for us to somehow find unity without there being a massive tragedy, a large scale tragedy of any kind? You think about, go back to 9 11. You know, oh, yes. everybody that's probably listening this morning has some understanding of 9 11. Mm-hmm. In the days after 9 11, we unified as a country in a way that in my lifetime I had never seen. Right. I haven't seen it since either. 
Right, yeah. So faded away. What yeah. what's it take? How do we find unity when when without a tragedy? I think that's mm. the question I'm often left with. Right. Yep. I like those answers. I mean that that really helps and I think it helps a lot of people understand sometimes going through a tragedy uh, can bring us in unity. Which is which is a good thing, and we we need unity together. Uh, it brings me to my next question, which is with the the pandemic of COVID nineteen going on, and it's all through our country, it's through the world, and church doors were were closed, and nobody could get together and 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 worship together. Um, do you think this is going to strengthen the church once the doors are open and people can come back from social distancing into the church? Uh, or do you think it's going to maybe separate people from church? This is a question that I have uh, asked myself a lot during this time, you can imagine. Um, <laughs> I have, I guess I have a couple answers. I think that it will strengthen the church in a lot of areas. Um, our, our broadcasts, whether that's our weekly devotional that we put out on Facebook and YouTube, mm-hmm. or it's our Sunday services that we put out on Sundays, or it's our, our children's devotionals on Tuesdays and Thursdays, those things are reaching far more people than we were reaching when we were meeting on a physical location at the church. Right? Yes. Now, that doesn't deny the fact that meeting at a physical location is important. I, mm-hmm. I want to make sure I say that really clearly. I think meeting together is is, is more is really important. And so we're going to get to that, I think, in some other yep. questions here. Um, but we will have a, a strength. We're going to have a church that is um, is not just a physical location when we come back from this. Right. So we're going to continue doing these online broadcast things like that. Mm-hmm. And so the people who found us through this online format but never found our physical front doors are still going to have access to our church. And so our church is going to grow in a way that none of us could have predicted pre-COVID-19. Right. Yep. It's, it's a surprise to all of us. Um, and so rather than, like, we were averaging about 130 people before the coronavirus happened. Yep. Well, now, on a weekly basis, we're averaging about 700 people involved that's amazing. throughout the whole week in all the things that yep. we're doing. And that's pretty phenomenal yeah. for a, a you know, little yeah. country church like us, right? Yes, reaches um, so much more. So I think that I think that in some ways it's going to be strengthened just in terms of how far are we reaching with the message that we're sharing, mm-hmm. and and I like to think that the message that we're sharing is something that's very gospel grounded, it's very Jesus oriented, mm-hmm. and I think that's an important message for us to share yes. in this world. So I think in that way we're stronger. I think when we first come back, my guess is that we're going to see some folks choose not to come, mm-hmm. I, and I, I I totally respect that. I think that there are people out there who are at risk. There are people out there that. Uh, have some fear around being in a enclosed con- space mm-hmm. with other people and maybe picking up this, you know, coronavirus. And I, I think that's okay. And so I think for a time, our physical location, our physical meeting is actually going to be smaller than it was, mm-hmm. has been for a really long time. Right. But that shouldn't, you know, make us think that the church isn't thriving and the church isn't alive. Mm-hmm. It's just looking a little different right now yep. than it ever has before. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on a conference call with a church planter down in um, Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, they actually are doing like a restart in a church. And oh. they they had, they had done this restart for a couple of years now, and post-coronavirus, they're actually looking, how can we not come back to a physical location? How can we move to a completely online format? And then when we physically meet, physically meet in small groups. And so when I just, when, so I'm saying all that to say, Canoil looked one way, 
But the mm-hmm. church globally is going to shift how it looks. Its model is going to be different in some places. We're going to see more and more online churches. We're going to see some churches that will choose to close their doors and and maybe not open them again except for small groups, fellowship, worship yeah. nights. But their regular services are going to move to an online format. And I think that this whole this whole coronavirus has forced the church to think about okay, what's important? What are some things that we might change? And even even Scott and I have talked about, yeah. look, if there is anything new that we want to add into the service or some things that we want to change, man, yeah. this would be the time to do it. begin yeah. doing it. Yep. You know, kind of mm-hmm. you know, play around with some things. You know, yep. obviously being, being God-honoring, but saying, okay, how can we be more God-honoring with what we do? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, and so I, I think the church is going to be stronger. And because we have so many people who never found us in a physical location but has found us online, I think we're even going to see some guests come that never came before once we come back to our physical location again, too. So I have high hopes for this whole thing, truly. Um, I'm not looking at this whole thing and saying, okay, we're going to come out on this weaker and I'm really scared and I'm really worried. I think God has the whole thing in control. I think he knows what he's doing. If there is one thing that I hope that we as God's people can learn from this, it's that we are the church, We're the church. right? Yes. We are the church. There is a building, but we are the church. And we can still follow Jesus. We can still love our neighbor. We can still love God. Um, we can still take care of the poor, the sick, the needy. We can still stand with those who are oppressed. We can still speak truth, all while not going to that physical building. Yep. We can follow Jesus even though we are right now watching this in our in our, our, tele, our, our living room or yeah. our bedroom, on our cell phone, mm-hmm. our tablet, or our TV, um, we can still follow Jesus. Now, there's wonderful things about meeting together. Don't hear me say that I don't want to do that. <laughs> My encouragement is, can you imagine how strong the church, Kanoi, uh, every church in Elizabethtown, every church in this country could be if the members of those churches could understand we don't even need this building. It is such a privilege and an honor to come together, to worship together, to hear the word preached together, to fellowship together, um, to spend time with each other. But we don't even need that because what it means to be Jesus, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this world is actually somewhere out there. And and that's what I hope we all walk away with. All right. Well, I'm glad you touched on that. And you said a few things in there um, talking about being together and worshiping together. Why is this so important for us to be together worshiping, whether we're in the church or social media? I mean, why is it so important for us to be together in worship? It's a good question. Why, why is it important for us to worship together as a church family, whether it's in person or it's socially distant? So when I was in, when I was in college, I went on this, uh, this backpacking trip to Hawaii. Uh, very lucky nice. that I got to go to this thing, right? Yeah, I'm jealous. <laughs> part of my schooling. Now, we weren't like on the beaches and stuff, but we were backpacking through mountains on, along the coast and in a wow. swamp. Those are the three places that we backpacked for about a month. And, um, you know, I was with a group of about 10 or 11 people, and we, we cooked together. We walked mm-hmm. together. When one of us sprained an ankle, we split up that person's luggage and we all carried it. Nice. Um, there was a moment when the, there was a guide wire that got caught on my pack and I almost fell off of this, <laughs> the side of this mountain path. And somebody reached out and grabbed me. And, and you know, like uh, we had 
oh, we had a leader who had a foot problem. They, their feet got really hot during the trip and they had to soak them. We had to figure out how to make a, like a, we had nothing to do this with. We had to make a pool that could soak their feet oh. in water. Um, we, we did everything together. We lived together. We worked together. We helped one another out. And when we were done with this and we came back to Pennsylvania, we came back to the college, we all went our separate ways because we all have these different friend groups. What brought us together was this trip. And it was an experience that we had together that only we would really understand. We had grown in leaps and bounds in the course of a month together in understanding who we were as individuals, understanding what it meant to be a team, and understanding what it meant to sit down and have a Bible study together in the middle of the wilderness, and understanding what it meant to to encourage somebody who feels like they can't take another step because they're carrying a 100-pound pack. Um, we, we understood something. We grew together as a community in a way that we had not grown with anyone else that was our friends outside of that. And so then each of us, we take what we learned in that trip and we take it back to all of our different little groups, our different little friends, our, even our families, and we share it. And, and they may not fully grasp everything that we went through, but when we talk about what it means to be a team, when we talk about what it means to, you know, somebody got hurt so we split up all the stuff they're carrying and we can do that in regular life because this person is having surgery and now we can help bring them food and we can help do this and this and this to support them. Um, those lessons were completely transferable to the world around us. I think coming together to worship is important in that same way because we sing the same songs together. We're letting those words be written on our heart. We're having the Spirit move through our community at the same time, guiding and directing us and pushing us and pulling us and tugging us in a direction. We're hearing the, the word preached. We're hearing the same scripture being spoken over us. It's being explained in a way that helps orient our community to unify us in moving in a direction that God is calling us to move. And we don't always all stay together, right? Right. At some right. point, the backpacking <laughs> trip ends and we go back to our families and back to our friend groups. But mm -hmm. all of the things that we experience together, the way the Spirit moved, what we learned that week about Abraham and what he did in his life and how he talked to God, all of those things are transferable. And we take them to the places that we work and the mm -hmm. places we go to school and the family members that we see and the friends that we have. And we begin to mm -hmm. talk about those things. Those those life lessons of what it means to follow Jesus, yes. to love others, to love God, it was transferred into the rest of our lives. That's and right. so we work together as a community. We live together. We work together. We build together. We learn together. We, we forgive one another. We apologize to one another. Yes. We encourage one another. We do that together mm -hmm. so that when we leave the place where we gather, we can do that to the rest of the world. I think there were some beautiful words said right there, and I, I think we deserve an amen there. Don't we do? I think we need an amen, folks. Come on, let's amen. light it up. Amen. Come amen. on. Amen. That was good. Well, you know, I, coming together, when we talk about togetherness, and that brings me to the next question. It, it seems like we live in a world that is so divided right now. Um, I, I look at the death of, of George Floyd right now, and I see people that of other colors— coming together and, and we're protesting together in, in peace. We had a protest here in Elizabethtown and it was a very peaceful protest. It was beautiful. But I also see others coming together with, with hate in their in their hearts. I mean rioting and and just the opposite of what it should be about. Uh, to to represent somebody's life and what they've done this I don't get it. I mean why why is it so important for us to get together and, and to overcome all this together in peace? I think we should 
be willing to say that the rioting is not okay. No, it's that not. The, no. That the destruction is not okay. Um, there was a religious leader who told me um, last week, uh, and, and I think this, this doesn't make it okay, but it helps me put it in perspective, mm. that if you are a community of people who have been ignored or have been told that the way that you're protesting is wrong, you know, mm-hmm. don't take a knee because that's wrong. You know, we've, we've, told, we've told minorities for a long time how they can speak up and how they can't speak up. Um, and he said to me, th- this religious leader said, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, that's, there's something there to think about. That yes. doesn't make it okay. Don't get me wrong. Right. But it helps me understand the perspective because who I am, I don't, I don't have, like, I'm a middle-class white male, and mm-hmm. that makes me pretty darn privileged in my life. Like, yeah. people listen to my voice. I have education as an option. Um, like, I'm not going to understand what it's like to be a, a minority who has grown up without some of the things that I've grown up with. But I can try and put myself in their shoes and begin to understand maybe a little bit, a fraction of what it's like to go through what they're going through. I think that we should try and find ways where we can both support the minority who has not had a voice for so long Mm -hmm. and also support our our officers that are out there trying to protect people. Uh, Like when you mentioned our protest in E-Town, I mean, I thought that was just absolutely beautiful. We had police officers and, and the chief came out and gave a speech and... They were, they were right there in the midst of it. They were yep. taking a knee with everybody. There was hugs. I mean, we've got some good officers in our town. Oh, I'm absolutely. so very thankful for absolutely. them, right? Yes. Um, so we have to figure out a way to, like we, like we did in this town, mm-hmm. allow the protest, but also support our police. How mm-hmm. do we do both? And I think this is what we, we've talked about this in a number of different sermons over the last year and a half or so, but there's a concept called dualism. And, and I, I've said this before, so this might be a review for some of you, but dualism is when you get locked into the mindset that there's only two options. And so we say either I support the protests or I support the police. Well, that's, that's, I don't think that's how Jesus would enter the situation. No. I think when Jesus enters the situation, he enters it with kind of a third way mentality. He supports, he finds a way to support both. He, yes. he is love. He exudes love. And so everything he does and everything he says is done and said in love. And so Jesus, when he went to Calvary, he didn't go to Calvary just for this group of people. Scripture tells us clearly that Jesus' death on the cross was for everyone. And not just everyone that existed in that world then, but everyone through all of time. So Jesus' death is effective all the way back as far as history will go, all the way back to Adam and Eve. And it is effective as far as the future will ever go to Nick and Scott 2,000 years later. And then who knows how many more years (laughs) we have. Um, Jesus' death is for for everyone. It's not just for one select group of people. And I think my hope um, would be for believers in Jesus that when they enter into situations that are uncomfortable, that are conflict-oriented, where conflict might even erupt, is they enter into it with that mindset. Look, Jesus didn't just die for me. Jesus' sacrifice, his life, his resurrection is for all. For all. Bar none. And so how do I see this person not as my enemy, not as my opponent, not as somebody who I don't like, but how do I see them with the eyes of Jesus Mm -hmm. as someone who is so worth giving up my life for? Um, And so I guess... The last thing I would say that I think is an integral part of, of this question is that 
following Jesus. And if nobody has told you this before, mm-hmm. you know, I apologize that I'm the first one to say this, but my, my guess is that you've heard this before. Following Jesus may require everything. Following mm-hmm. Jesus might require your life. There is no greater love than this to lay your life down for another. Jesus is the example of this. Jesus laid his life down for his friends, his family, for people he doesn't know, for people that weren't born yet, for people that came a thousand years before him. Jesus gave up everything for us. And that might be something that if we're following Jesus, if we are trying to to shape our lives and our words and our deeds and our actions to to look like Jesus, it is quite possible that that will require everything of you. Yeah. And so that's something that um, we all have to make our peace with. And yes. you know, it's something that we might have to make mm-hmm. our peace with on a daily basis. It's something we might have to make our peace with as you enter into every situation. You know, I, I went to that protest on mm-hmm. Saturday and what I, what I did when I was there was I prayed. I just, I, there was a number of pastors from our community and I'm very proud of them who went out on Thursday and they anointed the square, and they just stood, and they prayed over the square, and they prayed for peace. My kids had doctor appointments. I couldn't be there. But what I could do is I could go on Saturday during the protest. I could, I could watch and observe with my eyes everything that was going on, even if some of those things might have made me uncomfortable. And what I could do, the third way that I could enter into this was to pray to pray for every single person that I saw, to pray for peace over this whole situation, to continue to lift up everybody that's gathered, to lift up our our officers who are doing their very best and our protesters who are doing their very best. I can pray over all of those things. Mm -hmm. And praying, don't let anybody tell you that that is not an incredible gift, that that is not an incredible weapon in our arsenal against the evil one. Prayer matters and prayer works. And so if nothing else, you can enter into a situation prayerfully. Pray for your heart. Pray that you're not being judgmental, that you're not condemning. Pray that your heart is open to the people that that are most unlike you, realizing that those are the people that Jesus also died for, not just you. That was beautiful, Nick. Thank you for that, uh, those kind words. Um, it is important for us to be together in prayer, and that is one of the most important things out there. God gives us this gift of prayer to come to him in need, and we need to do that. And I, I, I want to ask this other question. Um, we were to get together this year with all the churches when on Be the Church, and it got canceled, postponed because of with the COVID-19 thing, everything going on. But why is it so important for the churches to come together in a community and work together as one? Because I know some churches, you know, like to be on their own, do their own thing. But why is it so important for the churches to come together in unity? Well, the Be the Church event uh, last year was my first Be the Church event. I wasn't at the the inception, like the, the very first one. I, I wasn't there. I was I would, didn't live here at that time. Uh, but what I saw last year was I just thought phenomenal. You know, mm. about a thousand people, maybe a little over a thousand yes. people coming together for a. And this, for those of you who don't know, the Be the Church event is is churches in Elizabethtown come together. There's a combined worship service in the park. Uh, and so when that music starts to play, sometimes neighbors and people who hear it come out and they join in then too that, didn't, that weren't aware mm-hmm. that it was happening. Um, and then the churches actually break into small groups. And that's, those aren't small groups divvied up necessarily by the church. Some of those are different churches coming together to make these small groups. And they go into the community and they do a variety of service projects. And so um, the one that I went to was mulching and painting at the train station. Some people mulched our community parks. 
Some people weeded um, a local, um, the Naaman Center, uh, which is an addiction center. Um, there's just a number of projects that happen, picking up trash, painting meters. I mean, just lots of stuff to support our community, to, to be the church in a different way than we normally yes. are. That, that's the whole point, right? Yep, that's right. When it, when it comes to be the church, like on a Sunday morning, normally we're all in our separate buildings doing our services and we're worshiping together. Yep. And that's important and good. But we want to be the church in a different way this one Sunday. Yes. And that was to, to meet all together. So why, why is this important? I think this is important because it builds unity in God's kingdom. God's kingdom is not any one church. I hate to say it, but Kanoi, we don't have a corner on the kingdom of God at Kanoi BIC Church. <laughs> There's a whole lot of other churches in this small community. There yes. might be 40, I think, churches yeah. around that in yeah. Elizabethtown. Um, there's a whole lot of great kingdom work going on. There are projects and there are programs. Uh, there's money being collected and given at all these different churches uh, that support God's work in the community. And if you were to rewind a number of years ago, my experience was seeing the other churches as competitors. There's only so many people that are Christians, or there's only so many people that are churchgoers that are willing to get up on a Sunday morning and go worship at a building, right? Uh, there's only so many people that their work schedule allows them that Sunday morning. And so we're all competing for the same people. Yep. Well, that's just not the way that we should be picturing the kingdom of God. <laughs> that's right. We are all partners in what God is doing and how the Spirit is moving in our community. And so I think events like the block party that we have in town or some of the service projects that go on, or Be the Church Sunday, help us to remember that there are brothers and sisters in Christ who, again, we just said Jesus was crucified. Jesus' life and resurrection, his teachings were for everybody, right? Yep. Those people exist out there who are doing such good work alongside of us. We have brothers and sisters who are partnering with us in Jesus' mission to, to just capture the hearts and minds and spirits of this whole town. And so this allows us to work shoulder to shoulder with people, to get to know them, to experience a little bit about what their church might be like. Because what we have when we come together in that park is a very eclectic service. Mm. You know, somebody's doing worship from one church. Somebody's doing the speaking from one church. Another church does the prayer. And like all of these different churches are kind of combined together for an amalgamation of all, like, I'm used to this <laughs> and I'm used to this. Well, now we're doing all these things together. And what a cool picture of what I think heaven might be like. Yeah. Is all of these different traditions and these different methodologies and these different, you know, this this pastor speaks this way and this pastor speaks this way and we collect our offering with boxes in the back and we pass a plate <laughs> and and we have hymns and we have uh, guitars and a drum set and, and like all of this stuff together worshiping the same God and it's like I just man Beautiful. it's heaven's gonna be such <laughs> a beautiful, beautiful place. eclectic place and that's what be the church is it's this yeah. little picture you know Jesus when he's on, on earth. He often will say things like, the kingdom of God is near or the kingdom of God is here. Yeah. And I think that that is so, so true today. And if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, we can see, whoa, on this Sunday, all of these different people coming together to serve the community, oh, the kingdom of God, it's here. Beautiful. It's all right. Well, that was awesome. I tell you what, that's what it would be like if we all come together. Man, the churches uniting together, each individual in this city, in this town coming together. It, it, it's amazing what we can accomplish in the world.
through Jesus Christ. So um, this brings us to the end, and I hope some of these questions um, answer some of the questions that you might have had. Uh, we did our best to, to, to come across when, what God would do and show us through all this. So I, I think we need to turn to prayer now, and, and we'll close in prayer. So let's go. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for, for togetherness. I want to thank you for the things that we go through in our life, and some of them are really challenging, but, but we come together. We unify together in this. We're not alone. You're with us. You tell us to come to you in prayer, and you're with us. You'll put the right people in our lives, and that's what we need, Father. And Father, we just want to thank you for the blessings that you give to us that we can have a peaceful protesting in a town that is so loving and caring. And I see that here in our town. I thank you for our police officer. I thank you for our churches that are, are putting the word of God out there, Father. I just ask that you touch each and every one of us and bless us throughout the week. And I just pray that, that we'll become unity again and this divided world will come together. And I pray that we all just turn to you in this. And Father, we ask this in your precious holy name. And all the people say... Amen. Amen. <laughs>